think one of my favorite things of the whole Christmas season, you know, the lights are great. I, I love Christmas trees, and who doesn't love gifts? But one of my favorite things of the Christmas season is porch pirates. Do you guys love porch pirates? You know what porch pirates are, right? You don't know what a... Some people here do not know what a porch pirate is. That's, that's good because... I'm going to let you know what a porch pirate is. I have a picture of a porch pirate, and uh, here we go. Anybody have the experience of a porch pirate this last Christmas? Looks like we're all pretty good. Well, there was a, a gentleman in, as you can see, Charlotte, and uh, he was getting multiple experiences of porch pirates. And uh, he kind of got a little fed up with it. It wasn't his favorite thing about the Christmas season. And so he decided he would leave a Christmas gift for the porch pirate. Just to make a point that maybe porch pirating wasn't the best thing for the Christmas season. So he packed a box for the porch pirate full of bricks, not coal. It could have been coal, but coal wasn't heavy enough. So he decided, let's just pack it as full as we can of heavy cement blocks. And he left that beautifully wrapped present in a, in a box that had been sent to him originally, looking very official, very Amazon Prime. He left it on his front porch. And sure enough, back to that previous picture, he got a taker. And that person, I guess if you watch the whole video, you can see he, he had to make a pretty good effort, this particular porch pirate, to lift that box. But he made it away with his Christmas Prime package. Later on, because it kind of got out what this gentleman had done, he was interviewed. And it was interesting to me, because I don't know what you think about change. Do you believe that people can change? In our culture today, there are a lot of people who kind of think, I don't know. Once a thief, always a thief. Once abusive, always abusive. Once you're just a dishonest person, I don't know if you can ever make it over to the side of honesty. There are a lot of people who have been taught in our culture, and maybe, maybe I'm sorry if I'm challenging anyone's beliefs today, they have been led and have come to believe that you are what you are, and there is no possibility that a person can change. Now, when the gentleman was interviewed, this is what he said. Queen City News, the Charlotte newspaper, said the resident realizes the, the crook probably will or won't, won't stop stealing. But perhaps the faux pas, just a little mistake that he made, will help him feel foolish about falling for the trick. 
So I don't know where you are about the possibility of a person making changes, living a new life, maybe even making necessary deep changes in their life. But this morning, I think it's my job to convince you that while it's never easy for a human being to change, change is always possible. And the reason for that is God, in a word. God is powerful. He is in the business. This is his business. This is his career to bring about change in lives, in hearts, in minds. And so as we're talking this morning about we are made new, I believe that it starts with, is that even possible to be made new? Is that even likely that where I've been living with my thoughts, my emotions, my mind, my heart, my actions, my words, that anything's going to change in 2024? How likely is that in your mind? Is it, that will take a miracle likely? Or is it, you know what? With God, what's impossible for man is possible because all things are possible with God. And so this morning we're going to dive into a section of the Bible, 2 Corinthians, Paul's most personal letter to a congregation. This is where he really reveals his heart. And and, and brother and sister, talk about a church in 1 Corinthians when Paul lays out his concerns for them? I mean, it kind of sounds a lot like Paul is going, uh, you guys need to change, but I just don't know how possible this is going to be for you folks. This is going to be really a big challenge, really rough for you to change. I don't know, but, but God, God might be able to pull it off if he pulls off a miracle in you, Corinthians' case. That's kind of the tone of 1 Corinthians. And then things do change. God does work in hearts. And Paul comes back with this very personal letter later on called 2 Corinthians where he talks about new year, new you kind of stuff with the Corinthians. So here's our first question. I've already introduced it to you. So if you're filling in this morning, and I, I hope you are, is it even possible for a person to change? Let's look at what Paul the Apostle says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 14 to 19, and then I'm going to go back and just touch on especially the first two verses. Here's what he says. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. So in some sense, Paul is telling us, we've all given up a past way of life. We've all died to that past way of life. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, 
but for him who died for them and was raised again. He's already hinting at the first change. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against him and he has commit against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation so i want you to focus in and it's in your notes if you've got them in front of you on just the very first part because we're going to be talking about as you might expect heart change first we're going to be talking about what is the possibility, before we deal with word change, action change, let's talk about heart change, Paul says. And what is it that drives someone's heart to change? What is it that gets them from point A over here where they were with a pretty ugly heart, a sin-filled heart, a heart that leans away from God, in fact, wants to run away or rebel. Talk about fight, flight, or freeze. Just look at all the instances in the Bible where people, sinful people like you and me, encounter God face to face. What comes to mind for me is fight, flight, and especially maybe freeze in fear. Because their sinfulness is encountering something so pure, so holy, so right that they can't even handle it. They can't even deal with it. How do we get from there to calling God a friend? To calling God Father? To calling God the one I want to be with and hope He hugs me for eternity? Like, how do you get to that spot? It starts, Paul says, with heart change. Christ's love compels us, he starts with. Because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Look at those words. I, I want to point out a couple things in those words. Paul says, whatever I'm doing, and it's interesting, if you back up just one verse, Paul's saying, all y'all think I'm crazy. I, I mean, I get it. I must look half mad to many of you. But if I am crazy, it's because I'm crazy about God. And I'm crazy about you. That's what drives my craziness, God and you. My heart has changed. Remember who this guy was? You know the guy that was hunting Christians down? The guy that was standing as <laughs> right before they were martyred, 
all their possessions were taken from them, and he's the one that decided where those possessions went because they were left at his feet. That guy is the guy who now says, I can't think of anything I love more than Christ followers. I can't think of anything I'd love to do more than cling to Jesus Christ, who I once thought was an idiot, I once thought was an interloper, I once thought was a false prophet. I've changed. And what has changed me? Christ's love compels me. This is an, you know, when you use that word compel, you know what that means, right? It means, in a sense, that you can't do anything else. You may have other choices, but when you say, I'm compelled, it means like, I just feel this inner, very strong urging to do this. And so I'm now I have this inner strong urging from Christ's love for me. And how do I know about that? I know he died for everyone. I know he died for me. And he died for us. Why? To change everything. Because you know what drove that previous behavior? What drives all sin? You've heard me say, if you've heard me preach up here long enough, that Martin Luther said, if you examine all of Scripture, the, the root of all sin is selfishness. It is, as he put it, a person turned back inward into himself. All he can do is think about himself. He's the center of his own universe. That when that is what sin is really all about. You want to simplify sin for others who maybe don't understand it. You want to simplify sin for yourself. Just ask, am I being selfish here? Am I thinking mainly about me? In fact, when I step back, do I often find myself acting as if it's all about me? And when things get rough and others also have needs, even in those moments where I'm helping others, is there a little thought still hanging in the back of my heart and my mind that says, but what about me? When am I going to get what's coming to me? You know what that is? That is what Luther says is the very root of all sin. Self-centeredness, selfishness, self-interest. And so what Paul says here is, instead of living that way, living for self, now what do I do? Look at that passage again in your notes. That those who live should no longer live for Say the word out loud, out loud. For themselves. Do you see how, how 
Jesus is taking our eyes off of our own belly buttons. And he's saying, instead of staring at your own belly button, your hurts, your pain, your desires, your pleasure, peel your eyes off the belly button and look up. And when you look up, something amazing is going to happen. There will be Jesus waiting for your eyes. There will be the cross waiting for you to look at and the empty tomb, the victory of the empty tomb waiting for you to focus on. And Paul says, when I did that, when I stopped staring at my own belly button, my own desires, my own pain, whatever it might be, and looked up and saw Jesus, it was, that was the beginning. That was the prime change. I looked away from self and began to see change. Here's the difficulty. Because we're born into this world, world sinners, sometimes even when we look up from our belly buttons, we can see other things. Take a look at what Jesus taught in Matthew. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is kind of about belly button selfishness too, but even when we look up from the belly button, there are just so many things that can feed the belly around us. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's just the collective for all those things that we could think, man, if I had that, <laughs> my desires would be all met. If I had that, my pain would be all gone. Treasures on earth. But what's the trouble with those treasures? They're all temporary. Where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Really, I think the right translation for that is where porch pirates steal. But store up for yourselves treasures where? Look up. Look up. In heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where, here's the key thing, this, these last words, for where your treasure is. In other words, what are you longing to look at? What do you think will solve your problems, will feed your desires, will give you everything that you ever wished and hoped for? That's your treasure. There your heart will be also. It's so easy to have a wandering eye. St. Augustine, St. Augustine wrote this. He tells us that the Lord made us for himself. And until the Lord is plugged into that hole in your heart and mine, our heart's going to go looking for something else to plug it with. And they're going to be restless and unsettled until... You, God, you, Jesus, are plugged into that hole into our hearts until we find our rest and our peace in him. All of this put together really says one thing. You know what it says? Life change is possible 
But the first thing is life change has to be a love change. So will you write that down? True life change is really a radical love change. Don't you think there's a reason when Peter (laughs) went away from Jesus at the most critical moment when Peter had had promised, Lord, I'll never walk away from you. I'll never deny you. And then he denies Jesus three times. And then when, and when they encounter one another again after the encounter, do you remember what Jesus' question for Peter is? Do you remember? Peter, do you love me? Why does, why does Jesus ask that? Very simple. Because he knew that for Peter to continue on the path of life change, to find the courage that he claimed to have but didn't really have in a critical moment, if he were ever to find that peace, that faith, that strength, that courage, Peter's life change would be driven by identifying clearly what he loved. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me ask you, brother and sister in Christ, do you love him? Can you say that to yourself? Jesus is the one I love. Can you in prayer say that to Jesus? Jesus I love you. Can you confess it out loud to others? Jesus? Jesus, if I have Jesus, I don't need anything else because he is the love, not just that I love him, he is the love of my life. You want life change? That's where it starts with love change. But now, we always have to start somewhere first. And we understand now that starting with love, our heart is the most important change. But, but then we need to look at how do we get there. So write this down. What's the most important change to make? And I've already hinted at this by what I've said already. How do we get our heart to move from this side to this side as the Apostle Paul did? Well, ironically, it starts with your eyes. Do you know that even psychology says that if you stare at someone long enough, you better be careful because you might just fall in love with them? Where you look, whatever you lay your eyes on, and this even means like from an inner point of view, the eyes of your heart or the eyes of your mind. The things, in other words, that I find pleasure in or or the things that I think about a lot, like it's not that my physical eyes might always be there, but if if I'm thinking about something I like a lot, then that's, see this Apple Watch? Let me give a little illustration to you from about four years ago. 
I didn't need an Apple Watch. Not really. Now, I, I enjoy my Apple Watch. But Apple Watches, as you might know, aren't exactly cheap. And so a significant amount of money came out of our checking account to purchase this Apple Watch. But you know, in all honesty, what happened before I bought this Apple Watch? I saw it in an advertisement. And then I watched it on a video. And then I said, oh, wow, that's, that's interesting. I wonder if there's anything on YouTube about Apple Watches and what they can do for you. And so I watched about five YouTubes. I didn't go rushing out after the YouTube watching to buy the Apple Watch, nope. I took my eyes in a very disciplined manner off of all that advertising. Aren't you proud of me? Until you know what was going on in my heart. For days, I'm struggling internally. That's a lot of money. But I'm thinking about it. And even when I'm thinking, no, I can't do it, what am I thinking about? The Apple Watch. Until one day, by miracle, the Apple Watch just appeared on my wrist and whatever, several hundred dollars were gone from my checking account. Not even quite sure how that happened. You see the power of thinking about things? The power of your eyes, you set your eyes on something or the eyes of your heart and mind on something. If you want to change sides with your heart and in, in, enable life change, it starts with thinking about where am I laying my eyes? And in what frame of mind am I laying my eyes there? Look at what Paul says in the next section. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17, he says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. It's, it's happened. The old is gone, the new is here. And he says, look, the change happens. But what is the key word that he uses at the beginning of this little section? Do you see it? He uses it a couple times. What word is it? Regard. And what is regard? To look at something. We could just put it this way. We could say, so from now on, we look at no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once looked at Christ in this way, we do so no longer. And that makes perfect sense, right? Because regard means look at. So when Paul changed the way that he looked at things, and in fact, Jesus tells us this in Matthew, just a little while after what we read earlier from the book of Matthew chapter 6, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Whatever you look at is letting light in to your mind, to your heart. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, meaning things like greedy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And, and we could plug all kinds of words into unhealthy, couldn't we? Greedy's one. Angry, 
depressed, lustful, and the root word, selfish. If our eyes are unhealthy, then what's going to be in our whole being? Spiritual darkness, emotional darkness. That's how our eyes are so powerful. Jesus calls them the lamp of the body. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So it's incumbent upon us to continually ask, where are the eyes, like my physical eyes, where am I choosing? Because it is a choice, isn't it? Where am I choosing to point them? Where am I choosing to point the eyes of my heart and my mind? What's really interesting is how the world gets this too. One of the most famous physicists that ever lived from Germany, he's known as the father of quantum physics. His name is Max Planck. And Max Planck has a very famous quote that pertains to this. This guy was genius. And this genius said this. When you change the way you see things or look at things, guess what happens? That's how powerful our mind and our sight are. The things you look at change. Even just reframing something can be so powerful in your mind. So will you write this down? When I change the way I see things, the things I see change. And isn't that exactly what happened to the Apostle Paul? Paul changed the way, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he saw Jesus. And all of a sudden, that led to his heart change, his love change. Instead of seeing Jesus as an enemy, an interloper, a false prophet, someone to be fought and killed, Paul began to see him as his Savior, his Messiah, the one that he needed to have in his life, and in fact, the love of his life. So he, he, let's do the progression quickly. You want to live a new life in 2024, right? First thing to think about is, if I want to have a new life, I need to look at my heart and say, what's my heart chasing after? What, what's my heart want more than anything? And is that God? And if it's not God, it's never, remember what we read about. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in him, meaning Jesus. Anything other than Jesus as the prime love of your life is going to steer you in the wrong direction. So that's step one, understanding that. Step two is, how do I get my heart put right? Well, get my eyes right first. And of course, I hope you're asking this question, well... <laughs> How do I do that? How do I get my eyes right? Especially, I mean, I can control where I look physically just by choice, but how do I get the eyes of my heart and the eyes of my mind right? Here's what I want you to write down next to Roman numeral three. What changes the way I see things? And here's what Paul says. 
all this is from God. You want to change the way you see things? You want to have a heart change, which will then lead to a, a love change and a life change? Well, it comes from God. So that's, we got to look to God for the source, which we're going to understand better in a second. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So that's critical. You are no longer an enemy of God. When Christ died for you, the very first thing you got to understand is he died to bring you back together into God's open loving arms. If you're the prodigal son, what Jesus did brought you home. And that includes you if you're the prodigal daughter, by the way, just to say that out loud. God's love, Christ's death, Christ's resurrection has brought you home into the embrace of your loving Heavenly Father. He has placed a new robe of righteousness on your shoulders. And when God looks at you, He doesn't see sinner anymore. That's the amazing thing. What God sees has now changed. What? Yeah. By choice. By his decision to send his one and only son to be our savior. By his son dying and rising again. God now chooses to see you as a perfect, holy child of God whom he wants to embrace and welcome home. Just like the prodigal father. And that's why that word reconciliation is so important. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, meaning he's passed on to us to share that with others. And we know that because in a minute he's going to call that ministry message. That God was reconciling the entire world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Your sins are no longer counted against you. Isn't that beautiful? And he has committed to us, meaning he's given into our hands, he's entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Well, what is that? Visual cue here. What is the message of reconciliation? Some of us know it by the name, the Bible. This is the message of reconciliation. Particularly the gospel words in this is the message that we are now warmly embraced by God as our father, as our friend, as our counselor and helper. And what that does is that begins to change us, that embrace, that love, steady, constant, faithful love. It changes us at a very deep level. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10 that it takes us captive. And Paul says, where I'm at now, I demolish anything that pretends to come up against God. That's what pretension means, something that's pretend. We demolish arguments and every pretend thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we, the end goal here, Paul says this, every thought is taken captive and made obedient to Jesus Christ. 
Now, here's the practical question, and I'm going to give you a very, very practical solution today. I hope you're ready for it. Get your pen. Get your little blue card out, because I'm going to encourage you strongly to go with me on this. Put that picture up. See that? That's how every thought is taken captive and made obedient to Christ. You can even see, if you look closely enough, this person's been, he's gone through this Bible a number of times. You've got to let him know. You can write in a Bible? Well, apparently you can, because he did. Made himself a lot of notes as he read through his Bible. Remember, remember what we just read? All this is from God? How does this change happen? Well, you're going to have to make choices to go away from your old way of life and move toward your new way of life. And it's going to continue to be a struggle because you still have an old Adam and a new man. But the way you steer away from the old Adam to the new man, the way you stop feeding the old Adam and start feeding the new man is right here. So, let's make it real practical. Do you have your card? Maybe I left mine. No, here it is. On the back of your card, I will join the Bible reading plan with my amazing love family. Let me tell you what's going to happen if you check that box. If you check that box, and then when the ushers come forward, and you give it to them, or if, if the usher doesn't come forward, it's, it's New Year's Eve. I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but hopefully it will. But if it doesn't, put it in the box on that little table. And do it today, because this Bible reading plan starts when? On January 1st. And when is January 1st? Tomorrow. So I'm just giving myself a big job for this afternoon. Hopefully a very big job for this afternoon. If you check this, look in your email inbox this evening or late afternoon, and you're going to find an email from me or from Amazing Love Church. Inside that email is going to be a link, a very unique link to the Amazing Love Bible reading plan. It'll have my name. You're going to be reading the Bible with Pastor Jeff. We're going to go through the whole New Testament in a year. But you need this link so you can be in there with the rest of us. If you're in there with the rest of us, you'll be able to read. And if you want, you don't have to, you can even leave comments. And I'll be able to see your comments. So will others. If you're kind of one of those shy and retiring people, don't leave comments. It's okay. Just read what everybody else has written. And we'll all grow together and we'll get through the whole New Testament in a year. Can I encourage you to do that? I want to strongly encourage you. Just try it. If you're like, mm, a whole year reading the Bible, the whole New Testament, that's a lot. Try it for a week. Just check that box on the back. I'll send you the link this afternoon. And you can start tomorrow reading the Bible with us. All right, here's your last fill-in. God alone can change the way I see things by his word. He's given us the message of reconciliation. Brothers and sisters in Christ, what a, what a beautiful thing it is that we have this book. This book that 
changes where we put our eyes. Like when you read this, you can't help yourself. Your focus goes up and you go, oh, there's Jesus. There's the cross. I see the empty tomb. I was once a sinner, but now I am saved. All those things come to you just like they did to Paul, and what you see will change. And when the things that you see change, when, when the things that you see change, the things that you see change. I don't know if I got that right. Max Planck said it. And when that happens, hearts change. And when hearts change, lives change. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for the love that you have shown us. What an amazing thing that you were willing, willing to give up your one and only son. And that truly does change everything. Lord, help us believe that life change is possible. Help us to know that with your power, all things are possible. And, and knowing that as you walk with us, Lord, sometimes maybe circumstances won't change, events won't change, lives won't change in that way that all the circumstances of our lives automatically start sprouting roses. That's not the change we're talking about. We're talking about the peace that comes within us. Lord, send us that peace that you say through the Apostle Paul goes beyond all understanding because it can stand up and help us withstand all the challenges that this world and this life brings. Direct our hearts, direct our eyes, direct us to your word so that we can experience that beautiful change that brings peace beyond all understanding. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you join with me in the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, just a couple of Quick family matters, you're going to find them on the back of your program, so I'm not going to dwell on them. Remember that Pastor Dustin's book is still available. Um, also that we've got a Saturday seminar coming up in just two weekends, and that finally starting point starts on January 17th. If you're someone interested in membership at Amazing Love, or you just, maybe you've been here for many years and you want to go back and review that starting point class, you're welcome to come. There you go for the announcements for today. Let's join in the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever.